Hey, good morning, church. Welcome to online. I'm so glad you're with us again. As always, I want you to know we miss you. Can't wait to see you one day when you're able to return in person. Hey, I want to give a little bit of a, um, hey, it's time for some of you to come back to church. There are some people I know that need to be at home. Some of you, you're missing out. I want to invite you to come back to church The experience in-house has been amazing, and so if you're of that group that can come back, you are invited. I want you to come back. I can't wait to see you. Also, though, for that group of people that does not need to be here, I want you to know we are committed to continue to minister to you right here online. You matter to us, and we're never going to stop meeting the needs the best we can right through a camera, right into your house, because we love you. And so... Today, I want to begin with a prayer. If you're at home, wherever you may be, if you have a need, let me just bless you right now as we get started. Father, we thank you for this day. I pray, Lord, that as we uh, minister this word, that it would go through these cameras, that it would reach the hearts, it would make a difference in people's lives. Father, I lift up every person that's out there. Lord, we pray that you would heal everybody. We ask that you'd strengthen them, protect them from any sickness or disease. I ask that you would uh, provide for them in every way they need. So, Lord, we love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So thanks for being with us. If you're a guest today, we are finishing a series called God and Country. And in just in case, if you haven't heard, we have an election in about two weeks. And so there's a lot going on on TV with all the news and so much happening. And so we picked three weeks to sow into our church body about God and country. And yes, we have been diving a little bit into politics. I think it's important for us to learn how to apply biblical principles in every area of life, including politics. If you've been with us in week one, we talked about why Christians should vote. And so this is my last opportunity to say to you, I believe you should steward the gift that's been given to us as Americans and go vote. So go vote, go vote, go vote. In week two, we talked about um, how Christians should vote. I didn't tell you who to vote for. I just talked about how we should vote. And so one more opportunity to remind you that you need to vote your Christian values. So vote your values. It's important. It's important. Today, I want to bring us to our third part, final part of our series. And my title is this, Vote and Pray. Vote and Pray. Pray. We have to pray. But I think it's important that one without the other, voting without prayer or prayer without voting is really incomplete on what I believe God is saying to us as biblical believers living in America. And so let me begin with a little story to illustrate the importance of both vote and pray. So um, quick story, I was coming out of our neighborhood the other day and I was in my Jeep. You've heard me talk about my Jeep. I love my Jeep. And so I was in my Jeep and I was um, getting ready to pull out onto College Road. And as you know, traffic's flying by there pretty quick. And so for some reason, there was a truck that was kind of parked blocking my view of the first lane. And so I had to do that little thing where you kind of pull out just a little bit to be able to try to see around the truck. And, and so just as I got close enough to be able to see, sure enough, a car was coming at me and I realized that my Jeep was sticking out in the lane and it was too late to go backwards. So what I did is I I stomped it. You know what you do. I I put the pedal to the metal. And as my Jeep, and believe it or not, I was P2 
keel and a little rubber. It was kind of fun for a moment, but I was scared to death. In the middle of it, I began to pray, and I said, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. And so fortunately, by God's protection and the power of a Jeep, I was able to get out of the way. And so I was just kind of thinking about that. And, and by the way, if whoever I pulled out in front of, if you happen to be watching this video, I'm so sorry. It was my fault. And so you probably saw my church bumper sticker, Life Church bumper sticker, and then on my tag says Life CC. You probably looked it up and you know the pastor just about killed you, and I'm really sorry. But I was thinking about that moment. And I was thinking about the importance of action and prayer. One without the other could have resulted in a, in a bad accident. So think about like how it could have gone down. Let's just say when I was pulled out a little bit and I saw this car about to hit me. And what if I went all spiritual for a moment? What if I said, oh, here comes a car. I'm about to have a wreck. I'm going to pause and pray. Jesus, take the wheel. And I said, Lord, for the next two minutes, I'm just gonna lift this matter up to you before I have an accident. You know what would happen, and boom. Uh, so if you go all spiritual, uh, you still may miss the mark. On the other hand, I'm so glad I prayed. I'm so glad right in the middle of it, out of my mouth, out of the, the abundance, I'll say, of my heart, I called out to Jesus in the middle of it. And did he help me keep from having a wreck? I would say so. I would say in some way he commissioned an angel quickly to slow down the car. And so by God's grace, by his protection, I was spared from an accident. And so I was just kind of thinking about that. And I was thinking, what is more important in that situation? Was it fast action or was it prayer? Was it the action that I took or was it prayer? What made the difference? And I would tell you it's both. I, I wouldn't want to have done one without the other. I think both are important. I think they complement each other. And in James chapter 2, 17, it says, faith by itself is not accomplished if not accomplished by action is dead. Let me say it again. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So in other words, they, they go together. Faith and action are required. And so that brings me to the thought about politics today, that I believe that we need to pray, which is our faith, and we need to vote, which is our action. I believe they need to go together well. Both are important and both need to happen. I think that as believers, sometimes we fall into a little trap and we go only into extremes when it comes to politics. And sometimes I think we take the, the, um, the position of you know, talking about politics and talking about politics and, and you know, it's vote, vote, vote and it's politics, but we neglect the need for prayer in the middle of it. Uh, then there's the other extreme that I've seen even you know, some churches take is, is they say, hey, uh, it's all about prayer. And we don't need to talk about politics. It's pray, 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 pray. And obviously prayer is important. I believe it's both. And we wanna be a church that emphasizes both action and our prayers. And so for the last two weeks, if you've been with us, you know that I've talked a lot about the action part. Today, I wanna bring us to a place of prayer for our nation. And so if you're taking notes, this is the title, but it's the note that I wanna get across to us today that I need to vote and pray, vote and pray. Now today I'm excited because my beautiful bride is with us. Uh, she has an amazing story from a part of our history that really sets us up for a dependency on our need to pray. And so my love, would you come share some sure. of what you know? Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. 
Um, you know, I don't know how much you know whether um, other pastors or other churches or whatever are using their voice, but I want to say thank you to you for being courageous and for stepping out there and leading with courage and righteousness, and it really, really matters. You know, we've been learning a lot over these last couple of weeks about our part in the political process, what that should look like. And I want to take a few minutes to look backward into our past as a nation. It's very important to know where we came from in order to determine where we're going to be going in the future. It's hard to pray with confidence for an America that we believe is inherently bad and evil. If we believe that America was founded on wrong ideals or wrong morals, of course we would have no interest in praying for her betterment, for a better day for her. And that confidence we all need. We need that confidence. But I want to tell you, today, that the belief that America is inherently evil is a lie. It's not. It's good. And that is a fact. Today, I want to touch a little bit on some of that. Socialism was created by a man named Karl Marx. In the Marxist way, Karl Marx taught that in order to take the first battlefield in a nation, in order to change the course of a nation, you must first rewrite its history. And, you know, you and I have to be willing to learn history, to know history, in order that we don't repeat the bad parts of history. Karl Marx, if you don't know, was not a great man to emulate your life by. Most of his children died of, they committed suicide. His wife was never well, uh, emotionally or mentally. And when he died, he had about six people at his funeral. He was not a great guy. His policies for politics are not good for any nation. And always, as Tim said last week, lead ultimately to communism. America is different. America was founded on divine providence. It's amazing. Albeit by imperfect people, but she was created and she was formed through divine providence. There is a sacred nature to America that is not present in any other nation other than Israel. You will not find it in any other nation other than Israel. The founding actually was from God himself. There has never been a nation as used by the Lord to release the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world as America. When you read the prayers of our founding fathers and the settlers, you will see its ties to America by covenant to God. On the Liberty Bell is the scripture, Leviticus 25.10, and we all know that to be our jubilee verse because Christ, he is our liberator. That is who he is. The original American dream was never about wealth. It has, from the very beginning, been about freedom and liberty. That's good. America has had three uh, voices that were very prominent in the formation of her three founding documents. Those three people are Montesquieu, is number one. He was a French philosopher, political philosopher, 
The second is John Locke, who is an English in, from Great Britain, political philosopher from the mid-1600s. And then the third is God himself. God is quoted more in our founding documents than any other person. Let's look at Montesquieu. Montesquieu is the one who said that the, the government of a nation should look like the government of heaven. So what does the government of heaven look like? We have the law, we have a judge, and we have a king. And in America, we have the legal, the uh, legislative branch, the judicial branch, and the executive branch. Therefore, America's government was founded to mirror that of heaven. That alone is astounding. Wow. Astounding. I would also like to point out that the first 106 of 108 colleges in America that were started were founded on Christianity. In Har at Harvard, for instance, they required at their founding the reading of Scripture two times a day. Their motto then was for Christ and His church. Today, their motto is, now it is to educate every student through commitment to the transformational, transformative liberal arts and sciences. Today, God has been removed from the picture at Harvard University. But at that time in its founding, it was, it was quoted as, this is part of the handbook. Every student shall consider the main end of study to know God and his son, Jesus Christ. Then we can look at the head of Princeton University at its founding, and he said, cursed is all learning that is contradictory to the cause of Christ. So you see, Christianity is our uh, heritage and our founding and our history, That's period. That's good. So now I wanna go back to John Locke for just a few minutes. He created a phrase, he said a phrase, made a phrase that he used, when people have done everything humanly possible to experience our God-given rights and have failed to do so, there is only one option. And that option, he said, is to appeal to heaven. Locke's phrase, appeal to heaven, says that when all resources and the ability to attain justice here on earth are exhausted and appeal then to earth's ultimate judge, God himself, is the final recourse. This concept is even found later in the Declaration of Independence. George Washington and his contemporaries grabbed hold of this phrase in America's cause for freedom from Britain's tyranny. Having exhausted all peaceful possibilities of experiencing liberty that they so desired, the colonists realized their only hope for freedom was through war. You see, Britain had a great military. It had massive weaponry. Those, those naval ships were something to behold, and they had wealth unspoken. It just went on and on. But young America, young America had none of those things. It was almost laughable at how outsourced America was unless God intervened. So good. Their stance was simple. Their right to freedom came 
from God himself, and he would help them. And they had this statement that they said, we will appeal to heaven. And a flag was born. And this is the flag that they created during that time. The appeal to heaven flag. From the days of the pilgrims, the godly men and women have believed that Almighty God Himself was involved in the birth of this nation. They knew at the planting of the cross at Cape Henry in 1607, a man named Robert Hunt brought his, his ship and his vessel aground there. They were sick. The people on board were sick, many of them. Some of them had died. And he said, we are going to stay on this vessel for three days. We are going to fast and pray. And when we come out, we are going to make a covenant with the one true and living God. And there at Cape Henry in Virginia in 1607, Robert Hunt came out of that vessel and planted a cross. And there he said that that, this is what he said, we do hereby dedicate this land to the gospel of Jesus Christ to take the kingdom of God to the whole entire earth. Amazing. They knew that day. They knew that day that we had come into a covenant with the Lord. They also knew that the Mayflower Compact of 1620, a few years later, it stated, the voyage was stating that this voyage was made for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. These early Americans believed that America was God's dream before it was any man's dream. General George Washington, leader of the American Revolution, obviously believed in this divine plan. I mean, we know that he did because he commissioned, I believe it was six ships for the Revolutionary War effort, and he stated that each vessel was to fly under the Appeal to Heaven banner, also known as the pine tree flag. It has a pine tree on it. There it is. As you can see, the tree has the evergreen on it. As far back as Abraham, in Genesis 21:33, the evergreen has represented one of God's names, Olam El, which means the everlasting God. They were saying, we are making an appeal to heaven when all else has failed us. Every other resource has been exhausted, and we are making an appeal to heaven through the power of the everlasting God. Amazing. That's what they were saying. Amazing. So I'm going to ask you today, can you partner with the prayers of old for our nation today? You know, the prayers that our forefathers, imperfect men and women just like you and I, prayed, many of those seeds and prayers are still lying un untouched and, and not realized yet. Can you reach back into history and join your prayers with those? Can you look to the ancient markers and join your prayers today with those of our forefathers? I believe if we return to the covenant with the God of our fathers, embracing the destiny that he has for us, he will deliver us from the spiritual giants in our land that are robbing us of our calling and our inheritance. In order to do this, the church must use her voice. The church on earth is God's authority. And we, the church, need to exercise 
our God-given authority on the earth through prayer. That's what we're talking about today. And in order to do that, we must make the appeal to heaven. Yes, yes, yes. Man, that's so good. You can have the microphone. You take that. Awesome. Man, what a great perspective. I don't think, certainly in my life, and probably in most of the believers in Christians, we, we just don't have an understanding of some of our history. And certainly until Harriet began to kind of dig into this about the appeal to heaven and that flag and all that, I, I really had very little knowledge of it. And, and it has just opened up so much for me to see from our history. And so, uh, my love, thank you for exposing me and our church to more of that. It's so good, so good. I... I was digging, you know, after Harriet had talked about it some and looking into it, that one of our first national mottos was appeal to heaven. So before anything else, that was a national motto. Uh, the flag was, was pre our stars and stripes flag today, and that was the flag they flew. And I, I actually found some artwork as I was looking online about this, and it showed those six vessels that Harriet was talking about. And it showed them not with the flag at like the mast, but they had put the, the sails to represent that pine tree and that motto, Appeal to Heaven. It was in the sails, but it had wind in it. And so there was a, a conversation that I was reading about on it that it said that the prayers of those, those believers created the wind that was in the sails that, that propelled those ships forward, protected them and brought them to victory. And so I just, I just think it's an amazing thought. That motto uh, came from that whole statement of when we have no appeal on earth, then we have liberty to appeal to heaven. And so for just a moment, I just wanna take this from our nation and, and personalize it if I can, because each of us may be in situations where we feel like in our current place that, that we have no more ability in our earthly way to solve some problems. And maybe you're in a situation that seems overwhelming or difficult in some way. And I just felt led to say to you that in the face of all these difficulties you're facing, that, and you can check this on the screen, but you can, you can write this down, but this is truth for you, that I appeal to heaven when there is no earthly way out. And so even in your personal life, you can take this representation of those early settlers and those that, that carried that flag as part of the motto, but that can be part of your motto today when you think about your impossible situations. When there's no earthly way, there's always a way with God. And when we pray and we seek him, we make our appeal to God, then it supersedes every earthly kingdom, every earthly natural barrier in life. And so I don't know who may need to hear that, but I want you to know that in a personal way, you can make an appeal to heaven today. And so I just partner with you believing that God will heal your, hear your prayers and help you find an earthly way when you appeal to heaven. Now, back to our nation for just a few more minutes, I want to carry on this thought about making an appeal to heaven. And I wanna take us to an Old Testament story. And this is a time when the Israelites were under a heavy attack and um, there was a prophet, his name was Jeremiah. And he was a man of God and God instructed him to call out to prayer during this heavy attack. 
And so I'll take you to Jeremiah chapter 33, verse one. It says, while Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him a second time. Now, the context of this is that he was with the guards, the, some other soldiers. Now, if they were confined or some versions say he was, they were trapped within the courtyard, within the walls of the city of Jerusalem. And so they were inside there. Now, the Israelites, they had an evil king at that point. And the Bible says that their king did evil in the sight of the Lord and the people were worshiping false gods. And, and so it opened the door for God to allow a, a foreign and a, um, an unrighteous nation to come and overtake them. And so this was this unrighteous nation. The Babylonians were now on the walls. They were, they were besieging the city. And Jeremiah is standing in the middle of the city as all of this is going on. So he has an evil group of people around him. He has a, an unrighteous culture that is trying to come in on them. And I was just thinking about all of this and kind of just kind of picturing what this looks like. So picture Jeremiah in a courtyard in Jerusalem. He had fortified walls that were meant to protect a righteous nation. And now it was obvious that these walls were about to collapse. And I was just comparing this for a moment to America. And I feel like in some ways, not in every way, but some of our nation um, had constructed walls of righteousness. And yet due to sin in our nation, the walls are being bombarded by an unrighteous culture. So in some ways, we are similar to where Jeremiah was, and sin was in the camps, in the nation, and now an unrighteous culture is trying to take over. And I feel like as I look at America, especially in my lifetime, that over the last few decades, there has been an erosion of godly values in our nation. We've seen things like our Ten Commandments have been removed from courtrooms and prayer out of schools and creationism is not taught in our schools anymore. The sanctity of life has been rejected. Uh, there's still obvious lawlessness and murder and rioting and rape that are happening. Racism still sits in the hearts of some people. Uh, we have pornography and human trafficking that are present. TV shows are showing alternative lifestyles and gender confusions and they portray it all as normal. And so that's in our culture. And listen, this maybe is the least of them all, but uh, it's crazy that even in our culture, as we approach Christians, some uh, Christmas, some businesses won't even let their employees say, Merry Christmas, how crazy is that? That's the culture we find ourselves in today. And there has been this shift that's happening in our culture. And so back to the prophet Jeremiah, this godly man as he stood in the city on the verge of being taken over by a godless culture, the Babylonians, as he stood there. And I was just thinking, it makes me wonder, is America nearing the threshold of becoming more of a godless nation? Like, have we allowed the sin to, 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 to be there? And now, like, there's this, this feels like a takeover of an unrighteousness in our nation. Now, listen, I am always for one to stand in faith and say that obviously we see the problems. We will continue to pray, we'll continue to speak faith over America and believe that she will be a place that honors God and that Christianity will flourish and from our shores will continue to spread the gospel around the world. That's my belief. But I believe as followers of Christ, we have a role to play in keeping 
keeping or regaining America's destiny as one nation under God. And so we have a role to play. Obviously, it's vote and it's prayer. As Jeremiah stood there, the voice of the Lord spoke to Jeremiah as he was in the courtyard being besieged from this unrighteous culture. And Jeremiah 33, three and six says, call to me. God said, call to me. He's like, call out to me. Make an appeal to heaven is what he was saying. And what's he say? I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Don't you love that? You appeal to heaven. When culture is collapsing around us, when our walls feel like they're being shaken, God says, call to me, appeal. What does he say? I will answer you. And in such a mighty and powerful way, he says, ways that you don't even know. In other words, more than you can think and more than you can imagine. God can always do more. And then he says in verse six, behold, I will bring health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. The promise of God is that when his people call out his name, when they appeal to heaven, God says, I will hear you, I will answer you, and I will heal your land. And that's our promise from God if, church, we pray, if we call out to God, if we make an appeal to heaven. God says to make an appeal. Today, I want to take us to some prayer time. I want us to pray together. I feel like I've done an adequate job of of the action side of vote, but now I want to partner that with our prayers. I want to let you know that we're going to have a special prayer night for our church. And if you're writing some notes down. You can write this down because I want you to be a part of this. I want you to join our whole church in a night of prayer. We're going to pray for our nation. And so take notes on this. You can see it on the screen. But night of prayer, Wednesday, October 28th. It's going to be at 8 p.m. and it's going to be live on Facebook. And so you'll be able to stay at home. You'll be able to tune in and join this prayer night. And I really want you to set that side a night. Uh, I know for me personally, I'm gonna be fasting and praying going into that night. And I really want to, to make an appeal to heaven on behalf of our nation. I don't wanna lose our nation to an unrighteous culture. I want God's name to be glorified in our country. And I want the, the banner of, of one nation under God to be raised up. And I feel it's part of our call to do that. And so I'm asking you to join me and our staff as we pray together on that night. And so once again, that is on October 28th. It's a Wednesday night. We're doing it at 8 p.m. because we know you parents want to try to get your children in bed so that you can be there. So it's a little later than normal, but we're doing it for all you young parents out there so that you can get your kiddos in bed because we want everybody to be a part of this. You can be able to find that link from our website or if you you have a Facebook account, you can just log in right there and you'll be able to find us there. So today, Lord, um, I have invited three people to join us in prayer. Uh, I wanted to expand this into our church body because I think it's important that we all pray, that it's a church-wide movement of prayer for our nation. And so wherever you are, would you just take this moment, pause, uh, put, your, put your Bibles down, your pens down, And let's just enter into a moment of prayer with these three people leading us.
Just want to thank Pastor for that awesome message today. And I uh, want to let you know, my name is David Reeser, and I'm, I feel this is a real privilege to be able to pray for our church and our country. If you can just take a moment with me, and uh, we're just going to have a moment of prayer. <clears throat> Lord, I want to thank you, God, for this election season, God. I want to thank you for the people and the, the individuals in this house today, Lord. And I just want to stress, Father, how privileged and how grateful we are, Lord, that in this season that we have the opportunity to have a voice. Hundreds of years ago, God, when we were fighting for independence, fighting for an identity of our own, Lord, like we heard in the message, men and women, they died, died to have an opportunity to hear their voice heard. But Lord, we were born with the privilege, and some of us had to fight for that privilege even today to be able to cast a vote. So Lord, I pray that not only do we vote today and vote in the weeks that are coming, Father, but we would also follow up that vote with activism, God, that we would go ahead and not just cast a vote, but we would support whoever is elected, whether it's our the person we voted for or not, Lord, so that we can create the world, create the community that we want to live in, Lord. And we are grateful to live in the United States, grateful to be safe. And while we have our challenges, this is still the greatest nation in the world, Lord. So thank you that I got to be born into freedom. Thank you that we get to worship in freedom. And I pray, Lord, that each person in this room will take it seriously, this power and ability that they have as United States citizens, God, to be able to cast their vote and to support the type of nation they want to live in. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. My name is Joyce Beatty. I'm delighted to be a member of Life Church and to pray this morning. Father, thank you for your goodness and mercy. Thank you for the opportunity to reside in a country full of freedoms. I ask that you stir up the body of Christ and that the stirring will draw others to you to seek your face as never before as we make decisions about our governing bodies. Help us to press beyond our emotions that we may make decisions based on kingdom principles that will allow your will and your plans for these United States and the world to flourish in justice and righteousness. Lord, you set governments in place, yet you've given mankind free choice. I pray your will be done on earth as in heaven, that we may see lives saved and changed and godly principles established. In the name of your son, Jesus the Christ, we pray, amen. Hey everybody, my name's Tony Streeter and I've been given the privilege to pray for our nation. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our amazing nation. We thank you for the freedoms we have. We thank you that we are free to pray. With that said, God, in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So, God, we pray that you forgive us of our sins and heal our land. God, we know that there are so many people, Lord, just tangled up in hate and just so angry right now. God, we pray that as we go in this election season, Lord, that you will just intervene and give us a sense of calm and peace as we go out to vote. God, we pray that you would just heal our land as far as race relations go, God. We know that everything's on edge right now, God, and we know that everyone just seems to be just tangled in so much hate. God, we pray that you would just help us to love each other. God, help us to care for our own communities, God. God, help us to just just love on each other, God. It's just a time for love. 
We know that you're going to do it, God, so we thank you in advance. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It's wonderful. I'm so grateful for the people in our church with a heart to pray. I love our church body. We are a praying church body. And so I want to close today with my prayer. We'll close it out. And so would you just join me in this final prayer together? Father, we love you. We come to you. And I thank you for every person, Father, that's tuned in online today. And Lord, we wanna make our appeal to heaven. We begin now and we'll keep praying, Father. Father, we thank you for our country that we get to be the, the, have the freedom to vote and to participate in government and in the political process. We know, God, our country is, is, is far from perfect. But I love the fact that in so many ways it has a promise of the kingdom of God here. That those early settlers, they prayed and they rose the, the flag up. They lifted the flag of an appeal to heaven, an everlasting God. And so, Lord, we, as Harriet asked us, we reach back to those seeds that were planted, Father, and, and we begin to water them. And we say, God, do what you want to do in our nation, Father. We ask that it would become all that you have dreamed of her becoming, Lord. And God, I pray for Christians all over America, Lord, that we would vote and pray. We would vote for those values that represent the kingdom of God, but God, we would pray. We would earnestly pray. We wouldn't miss this part of our role as believers. Father, we continue to lift up our president, Donald Trump. We continue to pray for his spiritual life. Uh, God, I ask that you would just expand in his heart more of your lordship in his life. We ask that you'd cause him to lead our country by your divine guidance. Bless his family. Lord, we pray for the upcoming elections, Lord. Uh, show your people the right platforms and issues to focus on. Help us, Father, in that regard in this election. Uh, we pray, Father, for unity within the church. Father, as we grapple with ginormous issues and so often different perspectives, God, help us to, to rally around what your word says, God. Lord, we lift up both candidates, President Trump and Vice, former Vice President Joe Biden. God, we ask that you would protect them from all harm and sickness through this, strengthen them. And so finally, Lord, we continue to play, pray for our nation. Uh, we pray this would be a place where you are glorified and your people live in that peace and that uh, truth that we read about, that health and, and Lord, that you do healing in our land, God, we pray. We pray for you to bless America. And so God, we stir up revival through our prayers. We ask that from our churches that we would preach the gospel stronger and stronger and America would grow in strength in, in the word of God. Lord, blow your winds of salvation from coast to coast, we pray. We pray all this today in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. So church, I love you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in again today. Uh, we'll continue to pray for you at home. And um, so God bless you and we'll see you next week.